Wake up. You're in a pitch-black maze of tunnels lit only by truths and untruths. You walk these tunnels. You don't know which light to follow. You go blindly along until you find yourself in a cavern filled with people who all believe. They only see the light and block out the dark. It's a safe cavern in that way. But it's a little too safe. You decide to part with them to forge out on your own and explore. The deeper into the maze you go, the shakier the ground. The more unsteady the roof. It could cave in at any time, and so you must keep going. You follow a trail of lights. They grow brighter. You feel their warmth. You're coming to somewhere, a new cavern, all to yourself. An oasis in the maze. You stay for as long as you can, but eventually, the rumbling and shaking of the cavern itself make it clear to you that you've got to keep going. And so you do. But now you're less scared, more sure-footed. You see a pattern to the lights, and you follow that pattern. Certain you will hit a new oasis that will contain something even better for you than mere warmth and the quelling of fear. Water, too, perhaps, to quench your thirst. But with that water is the new fear that you will die without it, and it's too late to turn back. On you go, ever onward, choosing roads, choosing paths, following lights. Eventually, you find an enemy to slay. Eventually, you find that the dark and the light and the tunnel itself are also you. That enemy was you. Eventually, you have nowhere to turn, no one to fight, no heroic anything. And you see that your bravery came from a confidence that hid you as a coward. And it's at this juncture that you will either turn inward and go crazy, or you will identify with your new situation and create a religion out of it. You'll call people to your cavern as a leader. You will need them to believe your lie, to hide your cowardice. And you hide their cowardice in your lie that they willingly believe. It's a circuit. Just like this maze. Or perhaps you will call upon what you see as your newfound inner warrior strength. And carry on a solo act in that delusion, finding and slaying enemy after enemy. The rarest thing that you will do, the thing that all of this is hiding, is the choiceless choice of giving up the adventure and the excitement and the growth and the intellectual challenge to sit still for the sake of sitting still, to be silence. And since the lights are you, and the dark is you, and the maze and the imminent collapse of the maze are you, in being silence, you will be that noise no more. You will be those movements no more, and the running from those movements into new movements no more. In that moment, in that moment alone, 
when all of those tantalizing choices vanish, what you seek becomes you. Not the mirage of truths, but living truth breathing through you and into the world. You are the light of truth and have no relationship to these lights of truths and untruths, except through the compassion you feel for those still following them and those still blocking them out. This is the story of religion and the ending of the story of religion. Start here. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another season of Our Undoing Radio. It's been a long time coming. Thank you for coming. Can't remember even uh, where we left off (laughs) in terms of like, hey, here's an update on my life, you know, before we get into things. I think I said I was publishing a book when we ended last, or maybe I had already published it. But either way, I published a book uh, last year, 2022, toward the end of the year, called Aliens, The First and Final Disclosure. Um, I guess I could go back and listen to older episodes of Our Undoing Radio, like, you know, just the last couple, just to see if I've already spoken about this. That, but, you know, lazy. Plus, it's a free show. Plus, hey, more unique content. Ting! Um, So, Aliens, The First and Final Disclosure, which kind of uh, ties together... Uh, what we're doing here, well, really, with, like, the Peritopia stuff. So tying together these two themes in one book um, in a little bow, which I did with the book before that. Um, I'm to tell you this, and I'm to tell you it is fiction, but that's not as straightforward as this book. This book is, uh, yes, funny, hopefully, bit of a comedy roast on ufology, bit of uh, legit anger and all that toward... Uh, society at large with its refusal to look at itself. Um, But when the jokes and the tears are away, uh, it gives into some deep stuff. The whole book has some deep stuff in it, but really maybe like the last half to third is uh, stuff you haven't probably thought about. And uh, honestly, I don't know if people even get what the hell I'm saying. (laughs) Half the time. Uh, because as somebody told me, I interviewed uh, someone for uh, for Dreamland, because that's the other podcast that I, I do monthly. Uh, Dreamland with Whitley Strieber once a month is now me. Uh, the last Friday of every month is me interviewing people, usually. Um, so I interviewed someone who said he had read my book and had some like sort of psychic experiences or perhaps awakenings, probably experiences is more true in conjunction with having read it and understood, stood it. And he said he had to read, read certain things several times before he got the full meaning of what I was saying. And that he has to do that a bit. And, you know, I don't know how this comes off as like a humble brag or whatever, but like when I write things, I, you know, in a, with flippant language and um, comedy language and all that, I, I feel like it's making the pill easier to swallow. It's like the sugar, but maybe it isn't. Maybe just depth is depth. And if you're not, if you're not uh, on the same page with it <laughs> going into it, it's like, huh? It, it still doesn't, there's no amount of sugar that can make the pill go down. You still have to read it several times. Um, 
because I'm not using like technical language or anything, but maybe I'm just so used to hearing my own thoughts in my own head that when I commit them to paper, I think, oh, everyone should be able to get this. And um, maybe it takes a minute. But either way, um, I do thank him and all of you who have been reading it for reading it. And frankly, not that I'm looking for a place to go next, but I don't know where to go next. I mean, do I keep podcasting? Do I keep writing books? Uh, I know later this year, I'm actually going to be in someone else's book as either a chapter or a a feature in a chapter. Um, So that's interesting. We'll see what comes of that. Uh, does that somehow magically lend legitimacy to me in some way when someone else, um, speaks of me? I I don't know, probably, but it's sad that it is that way. Um, but, uh, Paratopia certainly is still going on. Um, and in fact, I think this year, if, if not by now, soon, uh, we'll be adding on to that. Um, so Paratopia releases on Fridays on the Hour and Doing Radio Network. And on Sundays, I'll be releasing uh, the Paratopia Live, because I think we'll we start doing Paratopia Live pretty soon. So that'll be three shows, including this, <laughs> on this, this year feed. Um, but all of this, of course, costs money. So if anyone out there in listener land who's not buying my books, wants to contribute, go to OurEndoing.com. There is a donations tab. Um, Please do consider keeping this all up and running because I forget how expensive it is. (laughs) Because I don't, you know, I see bills like yearly mainly. And uh, when they all come due, it's like, oh, right. Uh, For the website and for this podcast, between the two, it's a lot. Because you've got Vimeo, You've got the web hosting, you've got the Podbean for this show, uh, you've got the domain name, what else, you know, the media storage company I use, you know, these are all uh, too much, <laughs> too too much for no return. And since I refuse to run ads on this thing, uh, it's becoming a bit of a problem, not going to lie. So, again, please do consider donating at OurUndoing.com. Keep this puppy afloat uh, or buy my books. That's great. Kindle, paperback, Amazon, blah. Review them. Reviewing them helps. Review this show wherever you listen to it. That helps. Spread the shows. Spread the books. Spread the word. All of that. Because I'm not about to pay for fake reviews of anything. Help me! Help me! Wait. There's another tunnel up ahead. It looks very different from all of the caverns we've explored, all the tunnels we've explored. And yet, here it is, part of the same system. I thought we were out of this damned cave for good, but I guess maybe in time it never ends. Ironic that. You can see, running along the floor of the tunnel, roots going from this dank, mossy, cavernous space, this winding, dark tunnel, into the shiny, new, completely straight, climate-controlled chrome tunnel. These roots, these roots can join the tunnels, 
And the roots I see are the future as a concept. The future as a concept is the root of the religions from Christianity to science. Whether you're focusing on doing right by Jesus or learning new things to add to humanity's body of knowledge, both are to advance you in this life or the next. But if this shiny, airtight, perfectly lit, invented add-on cave is conjoined at the roots with that of religion, and religion is supposed to be the old way, the broken way, the way of the ironically unenlightened, that is to say, intellectually unenlightened, then are we evolving mentally and socially the way we say we are in these modern scientific times? Or are we an unbroken line of evolving power structures? dictating how the world is, which colors and represses various qualities of our views and our lives for a while. But, of course, then we switch it up with the next power structures. Do we move from repression to repression, or do we become more free in time? And here is where we hotly debate spiritual evolution versus technological innovations, boldly asserting, that our intellectual capacity has far out-evolved our spiritual state of being. Our spiritual evolution. Is the brain outpacing the heart? Do we need to get a pacemaker on that heart? Or is it that there is no spiritual evolution? None. No learning, no growth. These concepts, they get in the way of waking up. Waking up. Total transformation. That's it. That's all of it. It's not evolution. It's out of your hands. The problem is, or the thing that trips us up in this, is that there is personal growth. Personal growth, which includes the move from brain to heart. But that personal growth is psychological. It takes time. Growth takes time. And when you do so move, it feels ecstatic. If you live in a culture that fosters heart, then you don't really need to move from brain to heart, right? But you still need to grow into an adult from a child and go through all the rites of passage. There's that personal growth. Learning from your mistakes and all of that. But if you come from a brainiac culture like ours, you then also need to... Well, move from brain to heart. And when you do so move, it feels ecstatic. Because in truth, heart transcends and includes brain. But the way we live, we tend to live in brain in denial of heart or pay lip service to heart. So when you move from brain to heart, it is uh, an egoic death of sorts. It's not the full deathy death of... <laughs> of uh, bringing you to nothingness, but it is nonetheless a transformative moment. And this transformative moment is ecstatic, which tricks you into believing that you've evolved spiritually. And, you know, maybe loosely in a sense, but really what it is, authentically, for sure, 
is being properly contextualized internally in the healthiest way possible, where heart is transcending and including brain, not brain living in denial of heart or in control of heart. The whole brain to heart thing is just an indication of how psychologically unfit you and we all are. That becoming healthy is, uh, you know, such a full body revelation of joy and compassion that it tricks you into believing you're enlightened. Science, Western science, the brainiac kind, needs us to be evolving, preferably in a straight line, for us to have climbed to the top of the consciousness hierarchy, which just coincidentally happens to be the point where science colors and dominates our view of life and our dreams of a better tomorrow, carrying science with us, inseparably from us, into the future. Right? Of course, that's because we've created that hierarchy in the first place. Science needs history to be a line of progression. But, again, are we progressing? If we're wandering a new, shiny, straight, climate-controlled chrome tunnel that is an extension of the winding, dank, mossy rock tunnel we were just in, and if we cheer along with the new crowd that behaves suspiciously, fundamentally, as the same old crowd, taking our orders on how reality is ordered by people who speak a specialty language but don't call themselves priests. They call themselves scientists. And they claim to have fields of expertise that make them worth taking dictation from as a result on all things outside of even their fields of expertise and their specialties. I mean, just try getting Niels deGrasse Tyson or, well, any of them really, to uh, not talk about psychology and physics and cosmology and archaeology and biology, and, oh, pontificating on aliens, on the future, on where we're going, on how the humans should be progressing, whether or not we should become robots, whether or not we should implant ourselves into a virtual reality landscape, whether or not there's God, whether or not, you know... (laughs) They end up taking the arc of religion, don't they? They they end up talking about religion. They claim to be debunking things, but really, they're just controlling the dialogue. And they don't want any of us to speak over them because we're not the specialists that they are. But again, the gaslighting here is that they're speaking outside of their own expertise to... Uh, promote their worldview. And because they can put on a suit and tie and because they can speak a specialist language and because they do know very smart things, they do know the maths, some of them, that means that they know the heart. That means that they know whether or not there is enlightenment. That means they get to tell us that the enlightenment was uh, a European construct having to do with 
a boom in what? The intellect, the arts, so on and so forth. Industry, commerce. None of these people have experienced Kundalini. You think Niels deGrasse Tyson believes Kundalini exists? Do you think he thinks it's a belief? That it is something that you either believe or don't believe exists? I only pick on him because he's currently the most vocal and arrogant of the scientific spokespeople. One of the priests from on high coming to tell us how reality is, never admitting that he is, in fact, out of his depth on any given subject. And yet, would balk at the notion of being a priest or promoting a religion. Interesting that, eh? We're in a maze of our own making, and we're calling that a journey, and we're calling ourselves heroes. Naturally, then, it's a hero's journey. It's ours. That's what we are. And thank God for our guiding lights, our gurus, our, our priests, and our scientists who step in to tell us when we're off the beaten path, when we're off the right track. In the case of the scientists, to tell us, whoa, 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 one plus one is mystery enough, pal. The vacuum of space, quasars, how bumblebees fly. These are the big mysteries. Isn't that mystery enough? And indeed, these things are amazing. Hey, the speed of light, can we break it? Great question. Amazing. But they're external, aren't they? They're reminders of the mystery that we are. They're not a replacement for that mystery. But just try telling our new priests that. But there are those in the Brainiac culture who... Believe in the science, but not the scientists. Maybe they believe in the religions otherwise. Maybe they don't. Either way, they decide they're going to build a parallel track. They're out of here, man. They want the really real reality. Not the what somebody told them. They want to experience it for themselves. They're going to do psychedelics or magic or... Something, something that inevitably brings them to the void. Not to nothingness, but to the void. But they don't know the difference. And they jump into that void, and they face annihilation as a spirit warrior. And what they don't understand is, that's just like a hall of mirrors in this maze. It's thought's way of replicating nothingness as an expression of what you do. Egoic death and coming out the other side stronger for having faced your fear is the result. But did you face annihilation if you were there? I mean, if you're doing all of these things, jumping into the void, facing it, knowing that you're dying, knowing that you're back, realizing you've faced your fear and feeling stronger, could you possibly have been annihilated if you were the one choosing to face annihilation? No. The void, that void, which many of you have probably never heard of, but maybe many more actually have heard of this void, this nothingness, which is a place, a space that you end up either through psychedelics or maybe even through some sort of meditation or even just spontaneously. 
if there's a you there experiencing it, it ain't nothing. And annihilation is choiceless. Anything else is wandering the maze. The maze of religion that you thought you'd left behind because you were better than that. Or because you saw more. Because you intuited, you felt that there had to be more than what your parents taught you, your culture taught you, or what they forgot to teach you, or what they just were ignorant of in the first place. The journey from ignorance is into further ignorance. But we don't know that. It's hard for us to know that because we're the ones doing it. Right? And in all other circumstances in life, when we decide to make the better choices for ourselves, when we stand up for ourselves, when we uh, change our life path, change our outlook, change the way we even allow people to treat us because we're sick of toxic relationships. Whenever we do something on behalf of ourselves for the good, there's a result. And it's no different with truth with a capital T, with this authentic nothingness we're talking about. When you do something to arrive there, to achieve it on behalf of it, you get a result. And that result is the universe responding to you. And that result is what the scientists might call a false positive. Because again, for the kajillionth time, total transformation, total transformation is instantaneous. It's more a mutation than evolution. This is hard to conceive of. In a world where we see time unfolding, and we see evolving, and we see how it works for us, and all of that, and how it doesn't work for us, and how we try different things, and then that works for us, we see choices, we see decisions, we see growth, and we assume that applies to everything. And why wouldn't it apply to the very basic, fundamental nature of us? And yet, it does not. Choicelessness, total transformation, doing nothing, just understanding this so deeply that the body shuts you up. That's how deeply you're doing nothing. <laughs> you listening to this can't even do anything about it. But you are listening and the organism hearing beyond you, if it hears deeply enough, the body stops you, not you. And that's the last thing that you want. You don't want to be stopped. So you'll struggle against it. You'll struggle by not struggling. If you're someone who listens to shows like this, you'll struggle by claiming that you do get it or you're on the verge of getting it. You'll stay in the maze because the pain that the maze may bring you, the confusion, the ignorance, is still you being able to deal with it and being able to move and make decisions to and from, room to room. What makes sense for you? What's right for you? What's your truth? And if you don't like what you find, then you look somewhere else. You put it off for the future. This is where that straight line future is pretty appealing. 
before in religion, you just had, you know, you got to believe in God, Jesus, whatever. And uh, then that's it. Then you're good, right? Get your rewards in the next life, most likely. But in these here modern times, if a person doesn't believe that, uh, then they don't call it getting the rewards in heaven or in the afterlife. They call it figuring it out in the future, getting your rewards in the future. Well, I just laid it out for you. You changed? So either I'm lying or I'm wrong? Not worth listening to? Intriguing? Worth listening to a little bit more? Maybe you'll get it next time. These aren't criticisms. These are just how we avoid hearing this, even as we're listening to it. And all one need do as you're listening is be aware of yourself doing these things as you're listening. Be aware how you listen as you listen. Can you be that aware? Can you do it right now? (laughs) 